This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. Welcome back to Shrink Chicks. (laughs) That was a delay for you. I know. I'm just like, I was like amping myself up for the excitement. That was like, I literally just watched Jen swallow a gulp of anxiety. I did. It's in my stomach now. And breathe out false confidence. There it is. There it is, guys. That's how you, that's how you function in life though. No, that's how you function in life for sure. (laughs) Right. Right? But it works. And yeah, and probably many people listening to this. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you understand those feelings, keep on going with your bad self. Right. Um, well, but it's funny, but like talking doesn't give me the same anxiety that it does for you. It's really just the beginning. It's like right when I start talking, it's almost like, oh my God. So I'm really happy. My husband doesn't really listen to this. <laughs> Thank does God. He doesn't really, he's never listened to a single episode, has no, he? never listened. To, I'm so he's happy He has no idea what we talk about. Every episode could be about him and he would not know. So no, he would never know. But I think his <laughs> friends listen to it. So they'll probably tell him. And so- <laughs> So what I was going to say is like, he's got a little bit of a stutter and it's like very endearing. Oh, it's Um, so cute. It's so cute. Um, but at, when he like first starts talking, if he's like on the spot with something, yeah. it'll just, it'll just like start stuttering. And so I think we connect on that level. Well, it's funny also like at your wedding, you both spoke like during your vows. Oh my and God. And 
And it was, was like two incredibly anxious people. Totally. But even Louis, the dog, got anxious walking down the aisle. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He just, it's just so overwhelming. And to have to, t- oh my God. That, I can't believe we wrote our own vows. That What is wrong that with either. me? That was so brave of you. No, it was so beautiful and so brave. Well, Not what was wrong with Bill, you. With Bill music. wanted to do it, which also Aww. surprised me. That surprised so, me too. I know. So anyway, that was horrifying. But you know what? You got to push through your fears. That's, well, it's so true, right? Like it is this big thing about like, what is my fear about? Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Especially on this podcast, right. we would just delete the episode if it sucked. Exactly. Would you and guys, so that's oh, what I keep oh we myself. should tell, oh my God. So we should tell listeners this, right? Okay. So we recorded an episode and it gets sent to Nikki who runs the podcast and then Brennan, our amazing editor. And mm-hmm. he takes care of editing, but Nikki listens to it first and she like helps us. She writes the title and, you know, does like the notes and everything for it. But so we haven't yet have it that it happened that Nikki sends back an episode and she's like, this is so bad. You guys can't publish this. But we have this thing where... <laughs> to protect it, our ego. To protect our ego. If it ever happens, instead of her being like, that was really bad and having to like hurt us, she just says to us, Annie. And so where that Why came from, what, because what, I can't remember. Annie... Because the sun will come out tomorrow. So it's her way of saying, like, it'll be better next time. But, like, this episode sucks. <laughs> and she doesn't have to straight up say that to our yes. faces. And we just I came up actually, with a word. And I would encourage a code word for many relationships. I usually do recommend code words. Right, and with couples therapy. Mm-hmm. They make them, like, kind of fun or, like, funny. Yes. Like, come together and create it for yourselves. But... I say in couples therapy, create a code when things are getting too tense, right? And you need some time to create a code word that basically says we are going to take this amount of time and come back to the conversation if we can. Because when you're reactive Mm -hmm. in an argument, nothing gets accomplished. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Anyway, and so we created this code word. It's so funny because us being therapists just translates into all of our relationships. (laughs) Every relationship. We're like, why don't we create this word? So yeah, that we're we- like, oh, well, but, but there was another part where like, we were nervous that Nikki would get anxious having to say this to yes. us, right? Like, you know yes. what I mean? Like we pay her, right? Like it's a job. So at the end of the day, like we love Nikki and like constantly tell her how much we're obsessed with her. But there's still times where she's like, you know, it's like scary to say to your bosses, like, oh, you fucked this thing up. <laughs> right. And we're like, oh, this right. will make it better for her. She'll just text us and say, Annie. And we all know exactly and- what that means. It's so funny too. So now if you hate our episode, you can message us and say Annie. Annie. And just say Annie if you care about protecting our egos. If not, just let us know. <laughs> just say the episode sucked. We can now we're going to get 55 Annies in our- I know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have told everyone. It's going like, to be like the podcast is now shut down. <laughs> okay. But actually it's a great segue to get into because a bunch of, so today's episode is a Q&A episode which we try to do like once a month because we get so many questions sent into us, right? So we try to go through them slowly doing this. But a bunch of questions today were really about like stress and anxiety and like sort of handling all that. So it kind of segues into this. It's a perfect segue. Let's go for it. All right, let's go for it. Okay, question we're going to start with today. The idea of quote unquote the one 
really stresses me out. How do I relax in relationships and stop self-sabotaging? Similarly, will I always have doubts in healthy relationships? What doubts are good or bad? So this person's talking about the idea of like the one soulmate, which we hate. We, yes. And we've said this multiple times. <laughs> we don't believe it. We don't believe in it. And um, I was watching um, The Bachelorette. <laughs> Of course you were. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> Anyone surprised? And on it, so if anyone watches, she um she like marries this guy after like 12 days or like gets engaged to this guy after 12 days. And on it, she's like, oh, he's the one. And so I'm just thinking to myself, we had this whole episode, or we've talked so much about how we don't believe in the one. And there's things that are perpetuating it. Yeah. Right. Like when people are watching this, like it's perpetuating and Nikki actually texted me because she, she knows that I watch and she was like, I hope that you saw that. Um, so, but let's talk about this idea of the one, because it's a, a perfect example of how this is perpetuated yeah. in media. Um, we've been told our entire lives when, you know, you know, yeah. And let's also, have- here's another thing. Okay. I think when we talk about this idea of it being perpetuated, we're talking about when people start talking about the idea of the one, first of all, people didn't used to get to choose their own spouses. It was set up, arranged, or dowry. <laughs> so, like, the idea of the one wasn't, like, my soulmate. And that's it was, like, still, my that one. is still yes. the oh, case. Absolutely. There's certain, still tons yes. of, absolutely, there's still tons of cultures that do this, right? So, when we talk about the one, that didn't always mean soulmate love. Historically speaking, that was, I get one. This is my own <laughs> Esther Perel, Estelle Perel, always oh, says monogamy used to mean one for life, and now it means one at a time. So when we talk about historically, the one was the one for life. Now it's very different. So the other thing is people's options were much smaller than they were now. Yes. <laughs> right? Before, your option was your small town. Yes. was your father's business partners, children. You know what I mean? Like, like really? Like, yep. Like, yep. It's now your options are like the entire fucking East Coast, depending on where you put your goddamn location on Hinge. Right, right. So it's just incredibly difficult. So when we sit here and talk about the idea of the one, mathematically, it doesn't work anymore. It's as opposed to if I'm talking There's about- many the, options. Yes. As opposed to like the one in my high school class. Right. Right. And you know what? I, we've, we've talked about this before too, that if you are someone who has the ability, and I say have the ability, because I, I do think that there are so many ways that this can be helpful. If you have the ability to question things in general, right? If you're mm-hmm. an analytical person, if you take the time to really analyze situation, question situations, like that can be so helpful for you in so many ways, but it's very conflictual with this idea that there's this one person. And when you meet this one person, you will not have the, that ability to analyze things anymore. Like you are still going to have that. And there's, once again, there's so many ways that that's helpful for you. It helps you to think through situations. Um, it helps you to make decisions or take time to make decisions. It might take you longer to make decisions, but it's also going to pop up in ways that might give you more anxiety. Like this idea that there's the one, but also you have all of these questions about it, which is part of the way that you process things. It doesn't necessarily mean that this person isn't right for you, that you're not in the right relationship. And you might always analyze that in your relationships. Yeah. 
So the idea of the one probably should stress you out. So this person says the, the idea of the one stresses me out. Yes. Me fucking It makes too. sense. Yeah. Yes. That is so much pressure, but it's also an outdated terms. There is so much of our language that in the year 2020, we have to let go of. And I am lobbying for this idea to be one of them. And That's that good. does not mean... I don't love my husband. That doesn't mean I do not believe my husband. I truly believe my husband is perfect for me. I do. I do believe that, right? Like, I believe that we're really good partners together, really good parents together. And still, and he would admit the same thing, if we happened to be on different coasts, we would have probably met other people in another time, and we would have made it work with them. I think your vows said something beautiful that basically, right? Well, my, my husband compared me to a sock on my wedding day. Is that what you're referring right. to? Yes. Which was yep. in my vows. <laughs> my husband said, that I don't believe in the one, but I believe you're my perfect fit. Like, if I could choose that's... you every day, I'll choose you. And I do think that's more powerful than some fucking, like, oh, you're my one soulmate, right? Like, marriage and relationships in general are just about a ton of fucking work. Would you? Okay, so much... we had this conversation the other day about our own marriages. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. (laughs) I do remember that. That like we had been, before we got married, we were doing this work. We had read all the fucking books. We had taken all the classes (laughs) and I still had no idea how hard that was going to be. It is. Well, that's a thing. And I think people, you know, you you just think about love and when it's romanticized that you're falling in love and it's something that's out of your control in some way. But you have to also make the choice to choose to love your partner every single day, right? Mm-hmm. You're making because they are going to do things that drive you fucking crazy. That is just part of being in a relationship, right? They are going to do things that are very supportive, loving. They are going to give you what you need. They are also, there are also going to be times where they do not give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And there are times when which you're going to feel disconnected. That unfortunately is part of being in a relationship and also fortunately, but I think we have this romanticized view of what relationships look like. And so when we are in the disconnection, we believe that there's something terribly wrong when no, that is just part of being in a relationship. And I think it's so important we drive this home because this, the tough, this person says, how do I relax in relationships? relaxing in the relationship is almost saying to yourself, it is okay for me to go through good and bad times in this relationship, right? And that it's not about it being perfect. It's not about us never fighting. I am always more concerned when the couples, about the couples who come in and say, we never fight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, red way flag. more concerned about that. Big Why red flag. are you never fighting? There's not so fight. much to fight about, right? Yes. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing, it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. 
My favorite item for my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. It's related. You say we don't ever have conflicts. That there's probably a level of disconnection. So absolutely. And you're not talking about something, right? Yes. Like uh, arguments can be, they can be really productive because they start to give you an idea about what's not working in the relationship, right? But the goal is that you fight fairly. Mm-hmm. The The times in which we get into trouble is when we're not fighting fairly. And so to really hone in on those skills, what that looks like coming up with a code word when you know that you're being too reactive and you're hurting the relationship um, be <laughs> good job, able, man. You brought right, it right back around, brought it right back around <laughs> all comes full circle guys. <laughs> um, so, but I think the, cause I'm going back to the question, cause I know we love to get off topic, but where it says, how do I relax in relationships and stop self-sabotaging the self-sabotaging piece might be something separate, right? That like, yes is that necessarily connected to the idea of the one really stressing you out? So yeah. it's not about, it's not about being stressed out about it. It is okay to be, it's okay to recognize, okay, this doesn't fit with, with how my relationship is functioning and how any relationship really functions. But what matters is what you do with that anxiety, right? It's not about not having the anxiety. It's about what you do with the anxiety. And so I wonder if the self-sabotaging is connected to how you're managing your anxiety in the relationship. Well, and I just think there's been so much more literature that's come out in the past few years about anxious in love or another um, term that's being coined, which is um, relationship OCD. 
Yes. Which is the ruminating thought about a relationship that I think you could have this because I think that you could have ruminating thoughts and hyperfixation on anything. For some of us, especially, especially <laughs> if there's a fear of scarcity, if there's a fear of abandonment, if there's a fear of neglect, if there's a fear of not being good enough, whatever, we can then hone in. And I'm wondering if part of the self-sabotage is someone trying to like hold them in too close Mm. right so they like start to like like I know this person's gonna leave me so I'm gonna start doing my confirmation bias bullshit to like make that happen like you're you're not you're never gonna commit to me anyway so I'm gonna start like doing this fucking thing exactly right and so I would like to know if that's where the self-sabotage part is from and then to slow that down and say like what is the function of this, right? What's the function of what's happening here? And what am I trying to get out of this? And what is my fear in this relationship? Is my fear of divorce because my parents my parents got divorced? Is my fear of being um, left because I'm already anxious about being single in my 40s? Um, you know, whatever that looks like. And so like, yeah, like, will you always have doubts in healthy relationships? Yes. Yes. Yes, period. No, yes. I'm not saying anything yes. else than that. The answer yes. is yes. It's black or white. It's totally normal to have doubts and healthy relationships because it's also normal to have be like, well, is this my dream job? Is this, do I like being a mom? Do I, do I like my dog? Should I have gotten this dog? Right. We've talked right. about that before. Right. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So what this, doubts are good and bad goes into that. Absolutely. And the also to think about when you are feeling anxious in the relationship um, or fearful of what could happen, it is okay to talk to them about it, right? Mm-hmm. And to as long as you guys have healthy communication skills to say, hey, these are some of my fears that come up for me. They're not personal to you, um, but this is what comes up and to really be conscious of how you might be handling those fears instead of pushing the person away? How do you communicate about it? How do you do your own self-work so that you can recognize it? It's not about not feeling it. You feel it and that's okay. Acknowledge it, express it. And then how do you manage it? Do you communicate about it? Do you self-soothe? Because the self-sabotaging might be coming from the way in which you're reacting to the fear. And honestly, Jen, that is the perfect segue into another question we got, which is how to accept- You're the best as always. How do I accept my partner's minimal flaws when you're an anxious person? This goes into that sort of what Jen just spoke to. It is it is not about accepting the flaws. That's not what this is about. This is about handling your own anxiety, mm. right? We have to stop asking our partners to change all the time and everything and look and say, why is this so anxiety producing and triggering for me? So where is this anxiety coming from? What am I doing with it? How do I spy to it? And what coping skills have I developed as opposed to just getting mad at my partner that he doesn't make the bed or put his fucking laundry in the goddamn laundry <laughs> thing, which it, my husband is the goddamn king of. I was like, wait, I was like, <laughs> all the cursing started happening. I was like, this has to be something that's happening currently as she's in her closet pulling out the laundry that is not <laughs> that, that is right next to the laundry basket, but somehow that pair of underpants never seems to just get in there. So here's my choice, right? I can make that a big thing and care about that and turn that into a fight, or I can just pick the pair of underpants up and put it right into yes. the laundry basket. Choose, because, choose your battle. Yes. It's like when people yes. say choose your battles, right? That 
that I think, you know, if you're feeling anxious about your partner not putting their laundry in the laundry basket, that your reaction to that anxiety could be a bunch of things. And so if your reaction is yelling at your partner because they continue to do that, how does that affect the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to change that. The more you yell at them, the more you yeah. nag them. The only thing that you have control over is you. And so you could say to yourself, how do I... How do I deal with this when this happens? What's going to be the most productive thing for our relationship? Another example to think about is like when your partner is sad or they've had a bad day, I feel like this is very common in relationships where um, our go-to is to try to make them feel better, right? Because we feel anxious. We want them to feel good because we feel anxious. And so the way in which we try to do that is be like, oh, like look on the bright side like, oh god cheer up let's right okay so the way in which we Toxic try to positivity right right <laughs> the way in which we try to make them feel better and listen we're well-intentioned we want them to feel good but they need to be able to work through that themselves so when we try to do that we're actually invalidating their experience mm-hmm. and we try to give them advice when they're not asking for advice they just want to like vent and let it out and so in those moments if you recognize that you're doing that you are actually not holding the space for your partner. And so the goal there is, is to self-soothe your own anxiety in those moments. So you can be like, okay, it is not my job to make sure that they feel better right now, right? It is my job to be there as a support. It's my job to hold the space for them. And if, but if you don't have the capability of doing that, because you had a bad day, communicate that. Yep. You know that, and that's, that is a piece to, to be able to allow them to have the space to work through those things themselves. I don't know well, if that connects to the question. It does. No, but I think it goes back to something really good, which is like, you know, you talk about this idea of like pick your battles, right? Obviously, we're not talking about abusive situations, right? right. Like that's there's that's never an acceptable thing. And so the same thing goes for emotional abuse, for financial abuse, um, you know, any of these things that we're talking about. But one of the things you can say is like, what is really, really important to me in a relationship? And this is not just a romantic relationship. We're talking about a business relationship, a um, a platonic relationship, in my family relationships. Personally, for me, I really don't give a shit if my husband gets his freaking dirty underpants into the laundry basket, but I really, really give a shit if I don't feel like he has my back and he's standing up for me in situations. Right. Right? Like, for me, that causes rupture in the relationship. The dirty house, whatever, that's really not a problem. And so for you to say, like, to sit and get quiet with yourself and say, like, what actually causes ruptures in my relationship, right? I'm trying to think of one, like, an example we would have in our business relationship. What would be, like, a rupture? I guess lack of transparency. I think, but I feel like we've worked through anything like that, right? You know, like that. That took time though, you know, yes, I it did. That... I mean, we've owned a business for almost seven years now. Oh I would say God. it took the first five of them to yes. get our relationship really solid. A hundred percent. And now I feel like there's nothing, at least on my end, there's literally oh, nothing no, yeah. that I think we haven't I mean, been if able it was, to work If through. it was going to, right? So I would say like, if, if one of us felt like the other one wasn't being transparent, like they were doing, oh, oh, here. Like if I felt like you were doing like, um like starting a relate like another business relationship with someone else oh god what, that what would be would really that hard for me what would that bring up for you 
would that not be hard for you? What would it bring it up for me? So, oh, it would be yeah. so uh, hard for me. For me. It's, it's always uh, abandonment, not good enough, neglect. Like those are my go-to Oof. primary things, right? So like if I felt like you were all of a sudden like, oh, I'm going to go do this side hustle over here, that would definitely be difficult for me because we do most of our business ventures. And yes. at the same time, if that was important for you, I would need to not sabotage our relationship, deal with that myself and work through that to continue our relationship. That's, Maybe you also so, just don't do it to me. <laughs> first, of all, first of all, I would never because I think that would bring up a lot of jealousy for me on on my end. Yeah. And but I think the reason why our relationship works really well is because we're both therapists and we know like if yeah. I if that was coming up for me, I would have the same like okay, how do I process through this jealousy for myself so that mm-hmm. I can support you? You know yeah. what I mean? Like that we have the ability to really think through what it's bringing up for us. Yeah. So that we can, and you know, if it got to the point where like it was coming out, we would have to communicate about it. First of all, we don't have time to start other business ventures. <laughs> we don't have time to do anything. Holy hell. Yeah. That would be okay, wild. No. Okay. But here's like a really great example we'll use, right? Okay. Yeah. So last year, this time we were going through a really difficult business transition of some hard <laughs> stuff that was happening. By chance, Jen goes on a two week honeymoon. <laughs> in while it was all fucking blowing up it was obviously planned and and so jen hopped off man so right so i was sort of left but at no point was i sitting there being like oh fuck jen having the time of her damn life (laughs) island you know what i mean like at no point was that it was just sort of like all right clearly this was just the way the cookie crumbled here's how we're gonna handle it and also you were so good about like checking in on me like like the entire time you're like hey how I are you felt horrible because you felt so, so damn guilty I felt so bad <laughs> just wasn't great but, timing but it's like sitting there but Jen could have totally turned away from me and avoided because of she felt guilt and that's like another thing that okay. guilt can do oh no did you want to do that no, no, no. I was oh. going to say that like perfectly. No, not first of all, not at all. <laughs> Second of all, that perfectly transitions us into another question. Yes. And did you do that on purpose? Because uh, so- I may have thought about it. Yeah. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. 
A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. Okay. So the next question somebody wrote in about is how to deal with guilty thoughts that come with setting boundaries. Oh, so I this, think, okay. Yeah. This is such a good question, especially for us personally. <laughs> okay. So let's go deeper with that. Yeah. Right. Like here's the thing that we always have to remember is like, what will happen if you set them? What do the guilty thoughts tell you? What does that say about you as a person? What does that say about your worth, who you are, how lovable in this world? Right. So for a lot of us, the fear is if, if I set a boundary, I will be rejected or I will be then left out, mm-hmm. right? If I say no to going out with my friends tonight, they're never going to invite me again. Also, what did you learn growing up about mm. setting boundaries? What does that look like for you in your family, right? So like an example would be if, you know, if you, I don't know, when you were younger, um, didn't want to do something or wanted to wanted time to yourself, right? But you weren't allowed to lock your doors, right? Or you weren't allowed to close your doors in your mm-hmm. family. That's a very good example of that boundaries were very diffuse in your yeah. family. People could just walk in whenever they wanted that you weren't allowed to close those doors to have time for yourself. And so what did boundaries, and if you did, um, or if you did say, Hey, like I need some time to, how did, how did people react to you? Mm -hmm. Right. Did they get angry at you? Did, did they say you're not allowed to do that? Did you get punished? And so what were the consequences growing up about from you setting boundaries to take care of yourself? Or maybe how did you see that in other people too? What was happening with your parents? How were they setting boundaries? And it even goes, let's even go younger than that. Let's go from when you were a little kid and you said to your parents, like, no, I'm full. And they said, no, you have to finish your plate. Mm. Right. So at a really young age, a lot of us are taught to not trust our bodies. Right. Let's say I didn't feel comfortable around like a certain uncle that I had. And my mom said, no, you have to give him a kiss and a hug. 
we often teach children very, very young to not listen to their bodies and intuition. And that's another thing to keep in mind is like if I was my family where I had to clean my plate because there's food scarcity, right? Like, let's say I grew up in a family where we didn't always know where our next meal was or we like, right? Like, then like you become like, you always have to clean that plate. You always have to have that. And so that is that like really, you don't, you learn to not listen to your body of when it's full of when it feels safe, right? If I like was from a family where it was necessary that every single night I had to kiss and hug my parents, even if I didn't want to in that moment, let's say I was having changes with my body. I felt sick. I, whatever, for whatever reason Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, but it was the rule. Sometimes we're taught that the rules of the family matter more than us. And that's a cultural thing too, right? And we're not really here to talk about what's right versus wrong. We're just talking about how shit could affect you. And how you have the ability to question it, right? So like if we have those rules growing up, we just believe, we grow up believing this is how things are and we don't really take the time to question it. So you actually do have the ability to question those rules, right? Because we grow up and we bring those rules into adulthood. And, you know, when we're children, our survival mechanism is our connection with our parents, right? We don't have control over what we do or the people taking care of us. Yeah, caregivers, yeah. have to be our parents' caregivers. Um, and so we don't, we can't take care of ourselves at that point. And so our ways in which we survive is to keep connected with our parents. And so if our parents have those rules or if our caregivers have those rules, then that's our means of survival. And when we go, when we grow into adulthood, we hold on to those means of survival, things that were once helpful for us that end up being hurtful for us in adulthood. So those, those diffuse boundaries or those rules that you grew up with aren't helping you anymore right there for you to take the time to take care of yourself now produces this guilt um, because it was never allowed in your family growing up. Mm-hmm. So the thing you want to remember from that is the things that you learn to survive are not always the things that help you thrive. Right. Right. If we want to break it down to one sentence for you. Right. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, write that in the, the Nikki, episode. Write notes. that down. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing people like a few people keep asking jen like are you guys gonna write a book we're really no <laughs> we're not Hor- horrible horrible writing we cannot Terrible. write we can talk all day long but someone else has to write it down for i don't know what it is about our brains we don't go the other way nope no we do not it no. is <laughs> very hard when we had to write papers in grad school oh my oh god, god. I have to write a paper right now. I'm doing this additional certification. You guys should see me write a paper now. It's the funniest thing. I mean, we we can talk, but we can't write. So, but so to think about that, right? What are the things that I developed to survive and how are they getting in the way with my ability to thrive now? Um, And let's actually segue into another question now that goes into this as we talk about families. Somebody wrote in and said, I'm needing some more support around coping with opinions opinions and judgments Mm -hmm. of others this is a really tough one because once again it's about going deeper and like why are those things so important to me for a lot of us if we got a ton of um external reassurance and external reinforcement we really thrive on that so like we almost need people to agree with us like almost become our inner world so much. 
Right. It like becomes part of our identity, right? Like my identity has been built around getting this positive reinforcement from others. And so if that's the case, then getting some sort of opinions or judgments that is going, if you don't have a fully formed sense of self for just who you are, then that is going to be really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about is how much, how much do those opinions and judgments affect you? And what did they trigger for you? Like, are there any specific feelings that they're bringing up for you in terms of, do you not feel good enough? Do you feel rejected? Do you like, is there anything specific that's, that it's bringing up for you to really recognize that? Yeah. Well, and Um, and it goes into like this other thing of like, once again, did I need it to survive? Right. If I was, let's say um, I was a black woman and I grew up in like the Midwest surrounded by like a ton of white people did I need to adapt to their culture and forego my own to be able to survive in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. Like what was the function behind needing to get other people's approval? For some people culturally, it is not an option, right? It is a life or death, right? So we talk about this stuff. Like I want to like just first normalize, like you're not silly or stupid for wanting other people's like, you know, approval. Mm -hmm. You're not. It, it means you want love. It means you want attachment. It means you want connection. It means you're human. Mm-hmm. And still, we have to say, but what is getting in the way of me and my ability to thrive and live? And we are biologically programmed to want to be included and part of a group. And so, you know, that feeling of like when you feel left out, right? If you see like friends are hanging out and you weren't invited, like that anxiety that comes with that, that rejection, that comes, we are biologically programmed hmm. for that anxiety, anxiety to be brought up in those situations because we are safer, right? If you go back into um, caveman times when this anxiety started to develop um, from an evolutionary perspective, that we are programmed to feel safer when we are part of a group. And so yeah. when we are not I'm- part of a group and we feel rejected and we're feeling um, like we're not included or someone's judging us, that we're programmed to, for that anxiety to come up. So the first thing we would say is first recognize it. Recognize what's coming up for you, right? Ask yourself questions about it. What does this feel like for me? How is this affecting me? And how do I want to process this? And how do I want to deal with it? Yeah. I mean, to look, like let's look at indigenous cultures, right? It's about living in a community. It's about living in a tribe. It's about living mm-hmm. in a collection of people, right? This is our whitewashed individualistic side of it, right? And, and it's kind of just where we're at. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and something we talk about a lot is that other people's opinions and judgments are really more about them and mm-hmm. what is going on for them. Right. And so just because one person believes something about you doesn't mean you have to take that on as truth. Yeah. Right. Doesn't mean you have to take that in and say, oh, because this person believes this, this must must be true. People are also seeing you through their own lens. Right. That lens that has been created over their years and years of living. Mm -hmm. And so just because one person sees you one way doesn't mean you have to see yourself in the same way. Well, and it goes to this idea of like, like, let's say I grew up in a home with a highly critical mother. There's a mm. good chance I then end up in some relationships with some highly critical people because mm-hmm. that's or my, you're highly, you're highly or, critical. I be, or I become highly critical. Right. Yes. But like our 
normal is what we're used to. There isn't one normal. My normal is like what I have experienced in my life. That's my specific normal, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm used to being like highly criticized, I can probably handle it. So if I'll end up in a partner and other people like, why do you take that shit from them? And you're like, what do you mean? It's not that bad. And they're like, oh, fuck, maybe it is. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Other people are telling me this is problematic. Maybe they're seeing something that I'm not because my subconscious is attracted to my normal. Right. Or, and it's, yeah. I was going to say, it's just hard, you know, even though we might be in situations that aren't healthy for us because they feel, they feel comfortable. Our psyche wants to be in situations that feel comfortable to us. And sometimes we grow up in unhealthy situations. And so we get pulled towards unhealthy situations that feel comfortable for us. And so just because something is comfortable doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, well, in a few weeks, we have an amazing hypnotherapist coming on. <gasps> I'm and so excited. I'm so excited, that. right? But that's something like people are starting to like take this approach of like, oh, well, like I actually like genuinely need to experience hypnotherapy to like to get out of this specific mindset, right? And like mm-hmm. we said on this, in like we said on the show, we don't believe there's one right way to heal. It's whatever works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so so I want you all to take from this episode, like, think about this, right? Think about what is the function between my anxiety, the function behind my people pleasing, the function behind my um, need to, I was going to say please others. Give me another one. Oh, <laughs> I always God. say people pleasing. <laughs> my function behind all my shit. What the fuck is happening? There you go. That's perfect. That was good. That was good. That's good all- reframe. <laughs> <laughs> someone was so i read this thing that day it was like the most gender neutral term is fuckers it was like instead of being like hey guys how are you like <laughs> say hey fuckers i say hey guys a lot and that is not it's not yeah and I yeah you to have to stop that. that yeah i know not i really need a lot to of change people it. don't relate yeah but like if i say hey fuckers to everyone it just is, feels <laughs> not a little aggressive <laughs> doesn't it feels a little aggressive I, you know yeah i mean you're definitely like putting all your cards out there at once <laughs> Hey, fuckers, right? You're just like really starting off a conversation harshly. I think we should start the episodes like that now. Instead of saying welcome to shrink chicks, we'll be like, hey, fuckers, what's up? We'll literally just be the meanest therapist in the world. Terrible, terrible. We won't be shrink chicks. We'll just be mean. Assholes. I don't know what else. Assholes. (laughs) <laughs> All right. guys we won't do that to you we won't do that yeah we won't I, we don't know what's happening things are really fast again here. oh my god oh my god um, that's it um hey so that was our q a we only wanted to do four because we wanted to be able to go like a little deeper with some of these but if any of this related to you or you want some more information let us know and i've always sent it out um next week's episode is about cults Oh my God. I was really hoping, I was thinking in my head, I have no clue what next week happens. Yes. We have an amazing expert about leaving, about leaving cults or um, leaving, you know, hyper-religious situations or something like that. So we're going to go all into that. Really um, deep into that. Because who doesn't want to know more about what, but it's an interesting thing. What, what keeps us in a place where we don't feel valued we could Mm -hmm. we could name it a cult we could name it in an unhealthy relationship we can name it for a lot of us in a bad work environment and similar to cults I mean this is probably something I'm going to say then like you don't know you're in entering into a cult when you enter into it just like you don't don't know you're entering into an unhealthy relationship when you're entering into it you know and 
and it really does um it's about this thing you talked about about like you know we are biologically meant to be in communities and so mm-hmm. that's how it's really easy to get sucked into community because we're all just looking to be loved and belong especially now when we're all so separate so yes. it makes sense yes makes sense listen <sighs> that was our episode thank you for sticking with us we really appreciate it once again send this to send this to someone if you think it might be helpful for them um like subscribe let us know if you didn't like this episode <laughs> shoot us over annie. an annie <laughs> annie <laughs> we appreciate you so much and we hope you're taking good care of yourselves thanks for being here we love you love you